Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. Rumors are more and more clones have been questioning the Order. Then they are traitors like the Jedi. Hey there, my name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Lucasfilm and Disney Plus Canada for giving us the opportunity to watch this season early for review. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys, and collectibles, and all things Geekcentric. Now, joining me for Clone Force 99's latest adventure, we have my own lovely bunch of Batches, Justin, Darcy, and Megan, how's it going, you bad batches? Hey, batch. I don't know what that. I don't think the people listening can see that hand movement there, but I like well, it. We're all I just like flailing. What's up, batches? How are I'm you? I'm shaking my head. What's up, batches? <laughs> oh man, we are in a fun 2023 mood. That's right. This is our first review of 2023. I'm stoked. Whoa. I'm stoked that it's Star Wars related. Yes. Um, that's how I think anyone should start their year is with a 2023, little bit of 2023, man. Wars. It's a sign. Yeah. It's a sign. I'm telling you. Oh. Good things. Okay. Hope. That's Hope. what I'm it, thinking. Hope. We you look it. just like the animated version of Leia there. Uh, now, <laughs> before we dive into the discussion uh, and this review, I want to take a moment and actually just ask all of you, and I think it's kind of clear already, um, but what do you love about Star Wars animation and what impact do you think it's had on Star Wars in general? I'm starting right away. I lifted my hand up immediately. I'm obsessed with Star Wars animation. Uh, if you don't already know that, and you will come <laughs> to know that in our watch club of this show. Um, yeah. I am so thankful that Dave Filoni has grabbed Star Wars by the proverbial balls and <laughs> put forth his ideas and his concepts because... In my personal opinion, he has saved what Star Wars was going towards with the animation. Yeah. If you're someone who doesn't normally watch cartoons, quote unquote, or animated content, I strongly suggest that if you love the Star Wars story and the universe in general, to watch these shows, Clone Wars, Rebels, and Bad Batch, because, and also um, Tales of the Jedi, so good. Totally. Um, and maybe Resistance a little bit. Like, maybe. Maybe. I don't know, it was pretty good. There's yeah. some fun bar parts in Resistance for sure, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but just, like, if you really want to get the full, like, well-rounded universe, these are completely necessary to take in to, number one, redeem the prequels, <laughs> but number mm -hmm. two, get the full sense of where Star Wars is going. Yeah, I think without these stories through the animation and if we think of just the live action all we would have is the skywalker saga right and i think animation has built out the galaxy beyond the skywalkers and has shown their influence and the influence of jedi and the influence of the dark side and the influence of of, of the empire and rebels and you know given a more rounded experience as you're describing meg to to the galaxy and it does really come down to feloni's ability to as, as you said, save Star Wars by n being able to call out these pockets of, 
of time where story is an opportunity. Uh, I think that above all the big, big IPs that are trying to build universes, it's really great that Star Wars sits in a place where from comics to animated to live action, it's all connected. It's all part of the same thing. And I think even outside of those mediums through, I'm sure as Darcy, I know you're a big novel guy. I think that those also play a part. Like the High Republic is obviously one of the more recent ones, but I know that there are stories that still influence the canon. So again, just across the board, it's all tied together. And I couldn't agree with you more, Meg. If you want the most full round experience of Star Wars, a lot of that is experienced in animation. It is the expansion of the galaxy beyond anything else. And yeah, Resistance is okay, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's it really is Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch, you know, Tales of the Jedi. It's, it's these stories that are, are filling out so much of a galaxy that we love. Yeah, thanks for leaving so much for me to say, guys. I mean, <laughs> took everything good about it. I mean, again, you mentioned how I like the, the extended universe and all that stuff. So what Filoni does great with these animated shows is flesh out and fill in those those pockets of time that we don't know much about if you're just watching the live action series. And even The Mandalorian is very self-contained in its own little universe. So these these animated shows are so wide spanning that you really get a scope of the, the scale that the galaxy really covers and every time you watch one of these episodes it feels like you're almost taking to somewhere new in the galaxy and learning about the people's problems there and stuff so again it was mm. just how how much it builds a galaxy is probably the best part of star wars animation yeah absolutely and i think i think everyone you know i think has seen this the these stories kind of uh grow and star wars animation grow and i think it did at one point it was a thing that could be living on its own it could be separated from the stories at large um i think back to the gendy tartakovsky incredibly mm -hmm. animated yes. clone wars uh series that i just absolutely adored and i was like yes. i really wish that these had any impact on the overall narrative. And and luckily, you know, Dave Filoni and his team in a different way and, and in a way that I'll be honest with you, I don't think a lot of people, even animation fans, fully uh, understood or, or grasped the, the sort of how big this would get when the show started. And I think the animation was, you know, left a little bit to be desired at that time. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely grown. Uh, and I think, you know, everyone has their own, Star Wars. I know, you know, for some people it's the original trilogy. For some people, for younger audiences, it's the it's the sequel. For me, it's the prequels. Uh, but I love the idea that there's also people out there that this, you know, the animated side of Star Wars is their Star Wars, and that's what they grew up with. And I think that's so cool. And I think I, I've said it. You know, shout out to to Luke and Jake on the movie pod. They they did a they did a podcast called the Luke and Jake Movie Podcast. Uh, and uh, and I absolutely had a great time on their podcast for the couple times that I guested. But we did a review of Rogue One, uh, and ever since Rogue One, I've just I've always just sort of said to myself like, more Star Wars is better Star Wars. The more that you can sort of take on from what's given to you, and not all of it's going to be great. There's going to be some stuff that's that you absolutely just don't care for. But at the very least, it's additive. It adds mm -hmm. to the overall yeah. story of Star Wars, even if there are there, there are moments where you're like, I don't know how much that did for this story or these characters that I'm looking at at the moment. But overall, these stories just add so much more. And if you're willing to take that on, even though it can be a lot, Star Wars is better for it. Uh, and I love that about Star Wars animation. Uh, but listen, let's get into 
this uh, review before, you know, Wrecker makes something explode or something. Uh, let me get to the <laughs> synopsis for this season. Uh, when the new season of Star Wars The Bad Batch opens, months have passed since the events on Kamino, and the Bad Batch continue their journey navigating the Empire after the fall of the Republic. They will cross paths with friends and foes, both new and familiar, uh, as they take on a variety of thrilling mercenary missions that will take them to unexpected and dangerous new places. The series stars Emmy Award nominee D. Bradley Baker as the voice of the Bad Batch, uh, and Emmy Award nominee Michelle Ong as the voice of Omega. Emmy Award winner Rhea Perlman returns to guest star as Sid, uh, Nasher Dalal returns to guest star as Vice Admiral Rampart, and Emmy Award winning Wanda Sykes makes her guest starring debut uh, in the series as Fee Genoa. Uh, this series is executive produced by Dave Filoni with Brad Rao as supervising director and Jennifer Corbett as head writer. Season two will debut on Disney Plus with its two episode premiere on January 4th, 2023, which if you're listening to this review on the day it's released is right now. Uh, so after this review, go watch those two episodes and then come right back in less than 12 Parsecs. That's a Watch Club reference for our, our <laughs> geek-centric mega fans that are out there. Uh, let's get into it here. Um, we had the wonderful opportunity to watch not all of this season, but a really good amount of it. Um, and so with that said, this is going to be spoiler-free. Just our high-level thoughts on the second season of the show. Normally, we start these reviews with what worked, and then we go into what didn't. But because I feel like this one's going to be a... I don't know about you for three, but it, but it feels like it's going to be a little more heavy on the positive than the negative. Um, so if you do have some stuff that didn't quite work for you, drop it in as you know along as we go. Um, but I wanted to start by talking about the visuals. Uh, we've already mentioned how the visuals have changed uh, in not only you know this series but in Star Wars animation in general. Um, so let's start with with I think it's you know when we were watching these episodes. It kept coming up in our discussions. Uh, the visuals, I think, they've not only kept up with the visuals from season seven of the Clone Wars uh, and season one of the Bad Batch, but I think they've gone even further with, honestly, some moments of incredible cinematography and lighting and the way that they use those for visual storytelling. It's such a Lucasfilm thing to do that. And so to see it represented in Star Wars animation was so awesome this season as a huge Star Wars fan. I think the way the show is is shot or digitally shot, I guess you would say, um, it just reminds me of how good this this team knows how to tell Star Wars stories. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I would even go as far as say how these shots are composed, um, mm. just in, in terms of, of, of staging and, and, and how things are are blocked within the frame. And I entirely agree. I think that this is some top tier animation from, from Lucasfilm that shows more of a collaboration with the existing live action canon of Star Wars. I, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like this one felt so much more reminiscent of, of live action in terms of its angles, its uh, use of lighting and the shadows. Uh, you still get this beautiful painterly aesthetic to, to the characters that is clearly animation, but they're not afraid to not have everything have everything lit really really well um and i appreciate that because i think that that's always been the detriment to some of the earlier animation is that because it is tv it is you know as we as we've discussed can be for kids and stuff like that it, it has to be bright it has to have a lot of light and things just look a little bit more video game esque here it just you really get to live in the shadows a little bit more and and see the way that darkness works with that light um i think it's i thought it was 
stunning some of these shots that that we get absolutely and you know as our resident animation uh, obsessed person <laughs> um <laughs> i i could not get enough of every single episode the lighting was the one subject that i think all of us continuously talked about throughout the entire <laughs> yeah. season um and for me it's like justin like you said that that cross between it relating to the live action shows, but still being its own animated thing that that painterly aesthetic and texture that they give the landscapes and the characters and their costumes mm -hmm. and everything is one of my favorite things about this style of animation and what we got in season seven of the Clone Wars, as well as these two seasons of the Bad Batch. It's it's so different than anything I've seen in, you know, comparison to like some of the newer animation styles. It sits on its own tier, like mm. uh, Into the Spider-Verse sits on its own tier and Mitchell's Versus the Machine sits on mm -hmm. its own tier. I believe this new Star Wars animation has its own tier as well. So I loved yeah. seeing that. It's an that. evolution. Totally. And I got to say... I think each episode had about like 10 different computer screen backgrounds that I would have gladly saved to my computer. <laughs> it was just so picturesque. I think one of the coolest things too about this series is that they're able to use like some of these wide landscape shots that in those earlier seasons, they kind of stayed away from because they couldn't get the detail into yeah. this space. Like this season, when you're, you're going like, being introduced to a new planet or a new locale or whatever, you can really feel all the details. If you were to stop the uh, the uh, frame, like Meg was saying, you could pick out so many new little things hiding off in the background, and just it just comes goes to show how far it's come since those early seasons where they didn't have the budget or the means to to flesh out these worlds as much as they wanted to. So, I mean, there are some points where, especially with the clone troopers, obviously, where I was thinking, is this live action or not? Because when we see live action clone troopers, they were very digital. So it was kind of funny that <laughs> I was getting that flashback in a great way. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, Megan, you called it out, like even just seeing little dings on helmets and little nicks in the armor, uh, again, just helped to tell the story without having to even show a, a story necessarily. Um, and I think the other thing, when we talk about the animation, uh, it goes along with the performances. Um, I think the way they did the facial animations this season, again, that word you used earlier, Justin, like it felt, it feels elevated. Uh, it feels like they've, they've really done a great job of sort of getting to that next level of facial animation and they keep doing it. They keep getting better. But I think from a performance standpoint, D Bradley Baker, obviously oh. we got to talk about him. Excellent. As always, he's like, he's so good that, there were just so many times that I forgot he was voicing so many different characters. Yeah, like, you, you don't even yeah. think about it most of the time. And like, there's just, I just, there's moments where like the only time I actually thought about it, I think was, was in the times that we got with crosshair, right? Where D just gives some incredible performances as crosshair. Mm -hmm. But like, for the most part, there were just like times where I'm just like, these are just separate characters. They're all different people. And at no point in time, like, was I really like focused in on like, the fact that it's just D. Bradley Baker in the voice booth is just nuts. It's just crazy. I think that's like kudos to him because he did it all throughout seven seasons of The Clone Wars as well. And I don't think I ever thought, even though he gives the same kind of voice to regular clone troopers, they're each still individuals throughout that series. So given the personality differences between the Bad Batch characters, he has such a crazy range and 
the fact that you stated earlier, Nate, that he's only been nominated gets Dude. me a little angry. <laughs> Come on. Let's change that, especially yeah. after this season. But I'd also love to point out Michelle Ang's performance as Omega throughout this ser- this season. She matured along with Omega in this season. You know, she's a little bit older. She's a little bit wiser to battle. She truly is a member of the Bad Batch. And I loved seeing her grow in this season. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It feels like a, a shift. Like, like she's in the first season, she learned so much from the Bad Batch or mm-hmm. the Dad Batch. Uh, as they're called. <laughs> but then this season, we get to see them learning so much from her and just how immediately she jumps into these situations and like, you know, just we're family. We can do this together. We can get through this. I absolutely love it. And I love that that's such a good message for for families of any kind, found family or the one you're born into that, you know, you can all learn from each other. I think is just lovely. Omega has a personality change. Like, it's very much the same voice, but she's more of, like, a, a teenager. Definitely grown up a little bit more, matured, as as we've said. So it's 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 really um, it's really nice to see that from her performance it, and, and the animation, just how they were able to capture all of that and really say, you know, this is a, a different Omega. Um, but, yeah, Dee Bradley um, gave some outstanding performances in these episodes. And, Nate, you called it Crosshair. Whew. Unbelievable. And to, to think that every character that he's played throughout this this these these episodes that we watched and the importance of just clones um i think it's it's so it's so poignant for for every performance that we get of a clone with him and his voice it, it, they're all different but they're the same uh, at times it feels like as you guys were saying it's like you're just hearing an imitation of D. Bradley Baker's voice throughout. It's like it's really crazy how even just in the Bad Batch from Hunter to Tech uh, to Echo to Wrecker and, and then Crosshair, just the tonal difference, yet they all sound tied together. It's just it's it's phenomenal. It's some great oh, yeah. voice acting. And yeah, he deserves to win an Emmy for this because the, fa- the fact that he's been able to give these characters such differentiation in their personalities with their voice. It's its flawless, man. It's so good. It's also the emotion that he puts behind their performances in this season too, right? Like Crosshair has some pretty deep moments in this show, as well as Tech, as well as Echo. And it's, it's really unbelievable to see that. And to go back to the visuals quickly, they've also been able to up their animation and make those emotional detailed performances read really really well on screen which i know was one of the more difficult points in the early clone wars season so um yeah i just i there's a scene where someone's intense and there's some hand shaking and it's really amazing <laughs> and i just oh. uh. I mean, you guys have said a lot about, you know, the Bad Batch themselves, but I got to shout out a lot of the, the, the new actors or voices they've brought to the series. And I don't want to name any names because this is spoiler free, but some of the characters you get for one or two episodes, this the, the depth that they add to the show and how, how much emotion they bring to this character, despite, you know, only seeing them for a short period of time, you, you immediately fall in love with them. That goes to show how everyone they're bringing on to the show ha- cares about Star Wars to the extent that they want to make a character memorable. And they all do that so well. And because their characters are memorable, Darcy, those mm-hmm. episodes are more memorable. Are memorable. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a huge, a huge fix 
um, that, you know, if we, when we quickly touch upon story at some point in this, <laughs> this review, we're going to go all over the place a little bit, but, but <laughs> I, I did just want to, um, just really quickly kind of give a, because we're talking about the Bad Batch for a second, we're talking a little bit about their characters, the characters of the Bad Batch, uh, that Dee Bradley plays, um, I will say we we get a little more focus. I, I think, you know, the first season we had a lot of focus on Hunter and Wrecker. And I think in this season they definitely feel like they've taken a bit of a back seat. I think we definitely get more of a focus on, you know, of course Omega, but also Tech, Echo, and Crosshair. Um, and I think this is something that, like, I definitely appreciated. Like, I really loved that. But I, I just... I felt like there was a bit of an odd imbalance in terms of the the growth for the Bad Batch entirely. Uh, and it's funny because I was listening to our, our finale watch club for season one. And that was one of the things that we sort of called out was that, like, give us more side mission episodes where we get to experience these characters have growth. And we mentioned Tech. We mentioned Echo. Um, and it's like, that's exactly kind of what they gave me. And yet still, for some reason, <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I, right? But I'm like, I, the thing is, I feel like they, they, they possibly could have still given a little bit more for Hunter and Wrecker this season. This is the only thing if I was to nitpick uh, at the the growth for these these characters. But I think, as you're saying, that's what the point of season one was, was to give them that poignancy. And now here in season two, it's focusing more on on the other batches. I, I feel like there could have maybe just been a little bit more balance done in terms of just how much they get I, I don't know I just feel like if you're a Hunter or a Wrecker fan you're gonna be a little bit disappointed but not by much because I'm just trying to give a little bit of things that I, I felt as I was going through that's totally fair I will say if if you weren't a tech fan you will be now oh Old brown yeah. eyes yeah. has a soft spot <laughs> in my heart now <laughs> don't they have brown eyes they're all brown eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the irony. That's the irony of it all. Um, no, I, I totally agree. I think that that's what I absolutely loved about you know these episodes is that they do shift the focus you know we got the the broken hero story of of hunter you know wrecker as the animal that needs to find his way and be softened like you have these simple stories that were explored with these characters in in the first season here it's about rounding out the experience and they they definitely delivered and i think they mm-hmm. they delivered on on good stories and and a really great sense of pacing with the story and i, I know we'll get there when we get there but i, I really do think that you know, it is season one and this is season two. I think the two work cohesively together as telling the story of the Bad Batch. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about something we can all agree on then, which is the music. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Kevin Kiner <laughs> is awesome, dude. Like the score for this series, it the, the way that he pulls little audio Easter eggs for diehard Star Wars fans, like little like score Easter eggs. Diehard fans are going to love and recognize it, but they're not just there to be Easter eggs or callbacks. They actually add depth to those moments with what they originally represented now being sort of brought back up. And I absolutely love it. John Williams will forever be the Star Wars composer, but we've like we've just had such a good amount of composers thrown in the mix with with Giacchino, you know, Ludwig Göransson uh for for Mando and Boba Fett, Natalie Holt for Obi-Wan, Nicholas Bratel for Andor and now, you know, Kevin Kiner coming back for more Star Wars animation. He is so freaking good. The music is adventurous. It's scary. Uh, it changes tones from being like a pirate adventure at times and then you get like a a wild west homage and then 
I just I can't count the amount of times that the music hit me. And there's there's one moment in particular that with both the way that it's shot, the visuals and the 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 moment with the music, it hit me in the like chest. Like I felt it and it's not something that I'll forget for a long time. And I was just so taken aback by the fact that like this is I'm getting this from the Bad Batch. Like this is awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. It, it's it can be, as you said, adventurous and scary, but then you know, it, it can pay homage to all of the different subgenres that inspire Star Wars while also breathing in something new. Like, I don't know, like some of the Crosshair episodes features a very unique score that at times feels overly ambiguous and sort of sinister, a little more muted in comparison to the other music we get throughout the episodes. And, you know, having gotten Andor this year with some of the most inventive music within Star Wars that feels so like, why wasn't it in there before? Very Blade Runner-esque. Like, mm -hmm. we see some of that even just kind of sprinkled in throughout these episodes. And I don't know, it's, it seems to give you the most brevity to what Star Wars is through the music. I think it's just so well explored. Absolutely, dude. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just, this is the this is the first time I think in a long time that I, for, for you know, a Star Wars anime, I, no, wait, I think I said it about Tales of the Jedi that I'm like, I want the, I want the music as well. Listen, just give me all of Kevin Connors' music. Every single um, thing. Every single thing. I was listening to it today. I was oh. listening to the ta Tales of the Jedi today. It's it's an awesome it's score. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. Um, but listen, let's talk about pacing uh, and the story. You know, I think as we reviewed the first season, um, you know, we did the weekly watch club for season one, and we kept having these these recurring thoughts there were two sort of main recurring thoughts that kept coming up which was is this show for adults or is this show for a younger audience and is this show going to do the story of the week side mission episode or will we get a compelling i think we called it a snowball uh, a recurring <laughs> yeah. arc um yeah, so the snowball <laughs> the snowball yeah, are we gonna get that, that. snowball yeah. um so yeah. let me ask you batches Darcy. Do you I think regret it they've <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they've addressed that this season? One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think so. I think to me, this is the best part of of these episodes is the story and the pacing of that story. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a mix of small adventures to big adventures to emotional episodes that are focused on characters and their relationships with one another to just you know being very centered around one character's development uh, and then there's uh, episodes that are sprinkled through that feed into a larger story that go beyond the bad batch mm -hmm. i think it's all just well balanced you know in in last season it seemed to introduce it and then forget about it and then came back to it and then forget about it and then came back to it here what's so refreshing is that we don't really get any huge narrative implications until much later in the episodes, much, much later. And I and I think the, the series is stronger for that. I think it's by, by not necessarily introducing it off the bat, but really going in and saying, you know, we're going to give you an adventure. We're going to give you a character focused episode. We're going to give you this. And then suddenly, boom, here's something that plays into something that could be bigger. It was like, oh, OK, here we go. Right. I, I thought I really enjoyed 
where that episode fell in the in the uh, numbers that we got. Compared to the first one, I remember after that first season, we were all saying that there were a lot of fillers that took us right out of the story. And like you were saying, Justin, the pacing of this one is so much more consistent in that there aren't those moments. There's very few moments where I'm like, oh, that episode was unnecessary because of how they told these stories, whether it was those character pieces or those just fun adventurers. They still had enough... Uh, substance to them that they they meant something in the larger picture of the second season and i thought that was incredible a, a market improvement compared to the first season absolutely and i think one of the main like points that we all talked about last season that got on my nerves but also i completely understood why that this felt like it was directed towards kids and there were moments of subject matter throughout the first season that definitely felt a little bit more mature but generically, as an entire season, it definitely was aimed towards younger audiences, or at least it felt that way. This season takes a turn, does not feel like it's meant for children. <laughs> there are moments for sure that, you know, they keep it a little lighter and it'll be, I guess, a little bit more digestible for children. But it it takes itself so much so much more seriously this season. There are many more mature storylines and intense moments and dark moments that stick to sort of the, like you said earlier, just in the live action shows, like it's it's really connecting itself to stand at the same level as those storylines. So I really, really appreciate that. And I love that. And when the lighter episodes come, I'm like, oh, but I want it to be sad and scary again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I I think it's funny, too, because, like, you know, it feels like it's, uh, for the most part, this season, where the first season was, like, it felt aimed at kids that adults could also enjoy. This feels like it's aimed at adults, but kids can also enjoy some of it, you know, for the most part. I I think, you know, it, it was really refreshing, though, as an adult who loves this series where the I think the first season there were uh, quite a few moments where we're kind of like they could have pushed it a little bit more they could have gone a little bit darker there why didn't they kill off that character like it looked like they should have died <laughs> but they didn't um this is only spoiler free for this season that was first season so don't worry about that um uh, but I'm just saying like they do go dark in this season they go to those moments and the result is some really compelling story story moments that recontextualize or help to recontextualize how the galaxy looks at clones and clone rights and i i think mm-hmm. it's just so cool and it's so awesome um i think as for the story of the weak side mission episodes yeah absolutely we still get side mission episodes this season but for the most part except for maybe like one or two moments i feel like they're all really worth watching they all mm-hmm. add something yeah, they all something, add a little yes. bit of oomph they all feel like they actually matter um and like i i guess it's just one of those things where it's like there are uh, maybe a few that i just felt like really it's not perfect. really stand above the rest yeah. right like i think I want more crosshair episodes, I think is what I'm trying to say. Like, just give us more no, I, crosshair. I, maybe, I like, don't know. <laughs> I, I think, again, the way worked. that they're, the yeah. way that it works, the way they're sprinkled throughout um, and, and, and how they feel so tonally different from everything else. It, it's purposeful. You wouldn't want to mm-hmm. put those three back to back. You wouldn't want to put those three within a, a close radius of one another. You want some room to breathe between some of those episodes because they are a little bit more intimate and personal. And I think this is top tier 
storytelling with Star Wars, almost on the same scale as an Andor, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it, I think it, it fully kind of mastered the formula of being able to give you, you know, adventure of the week with meaningful storytelling. It just, it's well balanced. And I think those adventure of the week episodes may be just adventure of the week, but at least it gives us character development in most mm-hmm. of them. Yes. Like we, yes. they may not play much into the, grander story that they're telling but it gives us insight into a character and why they are the way they are and that is just as meaningful as pushing the galaxy's story ahead and i will say for the again sort of little time that they give us with crosshair those moments definitely really pack a lot in uh, and I think there there's some really good highlights to look forward to. Let's get to our final thoughts on this season uh, and our rating, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five gonkies. Uh, we Gonky. did the first season on one to five omegas. So I thought, let's do one <laughs> to five gonkies, which I was listening back to our finale and I kept saying gronky and Darcy kept getting, <laughs> he's like, it's not gronky, it's gonky. <laughs> and I'm like, I just kept calling him gronky for some reason. His name is gonky. You're right. So, uh, on a scale of one to five gonkies, uh, Megan, why don't you go first? Absolutely. Um, if you can't tell, I love this season. I love pretty much the entire thing. Um, the animation, the lighting, the detail in not only the stories, but also the design of the show. Um, I I don't even know where to start. Like it's, <laughs> it's all just so good. And for those who are big Clone Wars fans, get ready. It's, there's there's some good stuff coming at you, and <laughs> I I gave many of these episodes five out of five strictly because there was a reference here or there. So um, <laughs> I, as much as there are a few episodes that maybe play to a younger audience or lighten the story a little bit, I still appreciate what they're there for, and I. I just fell so hard for every single Bad Batch member. Even if they weren't highlighted in this season, there were still moments where the story and character development that happened in season one for those two major ones that Nate's upset about, those carried through to this season and kept up with everything else. So I... You know, for one single performance that didn't do it for me, the rest of the episodes and season was phenomenal. I'm giving this a 4.5 out of 5 gonkies. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Darcy, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I loved this season too. Like I said, it was a market improvement from the first one in that every episode, with the exception of two that I can think of off the top of my head, of the ones that we got at least, felt unnecessary. And the ones that we did got, even if they were a divergent storyline from the main plot, it was still engaging enough because we got those really cool character moments and growth pieces. Again, the the set design or, or whatever you want to call it, the animation styles where they do that they put into to you know flesh out this galaxy and create this world on the screen is is 
up to a new level in this one. Like I said, there were times where I forgot I was watching animation, particularly in some of those landscape shots, because they do put so much detail and, and texture into this environment. So again, I love everything about it. And I, I'm standing right by Meg there with a, a 4.5 out of 5 gonkies. Uh Now we'll see how I feel after we get to the end of this series, because the way they set up for what's to come, I got to say, I'm really excited. But if they don't follow through, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big expectations. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a lot of the same sentiments as my other two batches. Um, you know, this is some top tier Star Wars storytelling in animation. Uh, this is on par with some of the best live action that we've gotten um, told on a visual scale and scope that is cinematic. It's elevated. Um, it is just breathtaking. It's pure spectacle. OK, uh, you know, I love my spectacle, so it is pure spectacle. And I think that it resolves season two resolves a lot of the issues that, as, as you were pointing out, Nate, that we, we had in season one. Um, and I think, again, focusing on the other batches, giving us a better balance of adventure with uh, character driven stories, um, sprinkling that throughout, not necessarily pulling a thread of, oh, this is a bigger story and not really following through. I think everything was paced and balanced really, really, really well um, for the season Again, you mentioned it, music, top tier. It's, it is its own vibe. The performances and the character design is just, it is a next level of performance. And I, th I love that Dee Bradley has been able to really figure out how to identify these characters through their personalities and through their interactions with one another and how he's able to really just evolve that from the fantastic writing, right? Like the fact that Jennifer Corbett and the entire team have been able to work so diligently to carve out a pocket of time within the Star Wars galaxy to tell this story and to have us just appreciate how meaningful this story is and to, to see what the relationship is and to continue the theme, as, as you pointed out at the top here, that Star Wars will always be about family. And you really do see that represented here in this series, especially found family, especially how they've come together. They bond over their, their trauma and their differences, and it's all made them stronger. So yeah, this is great animated television content. Yeah, I... I I'm going to go on the same basis as my other batches, 4.5 gonkies. It is all balancing on, on how they wrap this thing up. If this does succeed in, in doing that, it's going to be a five out of five for mm -hmm. the entire series for, for mm -hmm. sure. For sure. Well, I agree. Uh, <laughs> this second season. <laughs> That's it. This is it. There we go. This second season. Um, you're right. It does exactly what a second season should do. It elevates what came before, learning from past mistakes. And I don't think it does give everyone the same level of character growth. Growth? Growth? It doesn't give everyone the same level of character growth. Um, and the pacing can still leave a little more to be desired at times. I still find that uh, found that there are, there are great moments for all of the Bad Batch in this mm. season. There's a great Wrecker moment. There's a great Hunter moment that's like a Hunter-ass oh, yeah. Hunter moment, uh, which oh, is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> but I, I, again, I think they, they're, I, I'm excited for the future of the Bad Batch because I feel like we're, we're almost there. I feel like we're almost at a place where I'm going to be coming out of the season just saying every single one of these characters developed so much uh, by the end of like a season three. Um, I, again, there are some moments in this in this season 
animated or not, that will go down as some of the best moments in Star Wars, uh, at least for me. Um, the the yes. music, the performances, the darker tones and themes, the way they've added, you know, just some incredible, uh, you know, they've added so much to this this moment in time, these gaps in modern mm-hmm. Star Wars is so well done and so exciting. Um, and the fact that they've sort of got these little hints that feel like they can bridge those gaps, that feel like they can maybe fix some of those things that Star Wars fans aren't, you know, very happy with, um, I think is is really, really fantastic. Um, I think, you know, Dave, Brad, Jen, their team just continue to do exactly what I talked about at the top of the show, which is add so much to the existing stories uh, while giving us new adventures and characters to fall in love with. So overall, I am going to give this season of Star Wars The Bad Batch a strong 4.5 out of 5 gonkies. I was sitting at a 4. Was it lower? It was at a 4, <laughs> and then our conversation brought it up by 0.5. We'll see. Peer we'll pressure. See. We'll yes! see where we get to by the end. It still has some power. <laughs> but that is it. We hope you enjoyed this spoiler-free review for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this series or any of the movies or shows we cover, well, I'm going to have tech decrypt this chain code oh, for yeah. me so we can send a hollow message over to Omegan so she can tell you where you can reach us. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can find us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Oh, my gosh. Was that? Wait, <laughs> Megan, are you still there? Megan? I'm Whoa. Omega. Oh, Megan. Oh, Megan came to visit us. <laughs> also, uh, I think we mentioned it about a few times uh, on this review. But, yes, we are going to be doing a weekly Watch Club uh, pretty much every single week uh, for these episodes. Our first Watch Club for episodes one and two uh, will be up later this evening if you're listening to this like the minute it comes out. Um, but, you know, if you're if you're catching us a little bit later, it is out right now. Um, so give it a listen. Let us know what you think. Uh, and uh, and I think, you know, we had a pretty good time with those first two episodes. Uh, and so definitely check out every single week. We're going to be dropping them the day that the episodes go live, which is every Wednesday. Um, and you can definitely keep up with us. Uh, so you can watch the episodes and then be back in less than 12 parsecs. I did it again. Uh, and you can join us for some batchy, spoiler-filled thoughts and theories. Uh, it's a lot of fun, so definitely check it out. Uh, and, you know, we also have a ton of interviews, like our most recent interviews with the cast and showrunner of Willow. Uh, we interviewed some of the cast from Avatar, The Way of Water. And we had the opportunity to sit down with the Bad Batch themselves, D. Bradley Baker, as if we couldn't just love that guy more. Uh, And Justin had the chance to sit down with supervising director Brad Rao and head writer Jennifer Corbett, uh, who I think we've just praised all of those people so much. Um, So make sure to check out uh, us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric and check out all of our interviews there. Click all the things, click the bell, like all the things, share the videos with your family. Be like, hey, I didn't get you a gift for the holidays. Here's a geekcentric review or an interview or something. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Leave us a beautiful five-star review if you're enjoying our content. And heck, while you're at it, leave us a written review. We'd love to know uh, just how you're enjoying the stuff that we make here. Uh, Our first review for 2023 is in the bag, Uh, and I'm so stoked, again, that it was a Star Wars project. I'm excited for what's to come uh, in this new 
year, new opportunities. Justin, you said it before. What, what did you say? Hope. Hope. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, all right, Megan, Darcy, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this batchy review. And as we say, good, good soldiers, soldiers, follow orders. orders.